Welcome to Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rabinowitz, an interior design trained lifestyle and wellness creator and mom to three girls. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. So stick around. It's wild and it's raw, just the way we like it. I would love if you could introduce yourselves to the Kale yes, in My Teeth audience. I am Dr. Jennifer Freed. And I am a psychological astrologer, best-selling author, and social-emotional educator, and a New Yorker born. Ooh, New York. You have such an interesting career trajectory. I had never heard of a psychological astrologer until I pretty much fell in love with you on the Goop episode. I had downloaded the episode. I was flying into New York for work. And I was feeling frenetic, chaotic, and anxious. And I listened to that episode. My whole body calmed down. I felt so seen in my, like, airplane seat all up in the sky. And I immediately sent you a message asking you to come on. I feel like you hit, like, the apex of learning the science of what makes us tick while bringing on the empathy element. And that's really like where Couldn't agree growth happens. More. I think you said it the best. Growth happens with tremendous effort, a lot of assistance, empathy for self and other, and a joy for life. You know, why bother growing if it's going to be drudgery? So we need to be very convinced that joy is our birthright. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get into the synthesis of these two unique and it seems oppositional careers? One is the study of the soul and one is a map to your soul. So they felt very aligned to me, just nobody else was doing it, but a few people, I had a few great teachers, but I've been doing it for 40 years and now the world's ready for it because psychology and social emotional education is about how to relieve trauma and grief and stress and get into your strengths and how to problem solve. And astrology is the most ancient personality system decoding our soul's lessons. It couldn't be a better match in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I think you do a really great job kind of like weaving in and out of the both of them. And I know for myself and I speak for my community that I really love learning the science because it it helps me integrate it more easily if I really understand what's going on inside and and kind of what's making me tick. So in saying that, one thing that you really speak a lot about are the four elements. And when I started following you, I did a deep dive on your content. And you discuss the four elements, but you break it down into so many different areas. So I'd love to start kind of just... discussing them everybody knows the four elements because we couldn't live without them they are fire represented by the signs aries leo and sagittarius these are the dynamic passionate engaged just do it very alive and authentic fiery energy like a fire very authentic very dynamic then we go into earth and that's represented by the signs taurus virgo and capricorn And earth is earth, it's deep, it's steady, it's constant, it's stable, it's reliable, it's consistent. And then we go into air, Libra, Aquarius, Gemini. And the air is about the big vision, the visionaries, the inspiration, the breath, the flight, the spaciousness. 
And then we go into water represented by Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio. And water is that, that empathy, that merging, that forgiveness, that mercy, that empathy. It's that beautiful part of human nature that has the capacity to be hurt and to, and to grieve and to move on. It's funny because I'm a Scorpio and I kind of, I don't know how to hold a grudge and I, t to my detriment, and <laughs> I kind of attribute it to not necessarily like a, like a positive attribute, but to the fact that I'm so scatterbrained and forgetful. I'll be like, I think that woman did something unkind, but I don't remember what, so whatever. But what you're saying is the water signs are fluid and, and they allow for forgiveness. So well, maybe I, I should be reframing that. are a fixed sign. They have a tendency to hold on emotionally, but their biggest power is transformation. So you're one of those evolving Scorpios that really is much more interested in the present than the past. But we must find out what your moon and rising are because this is not typical Scorpio behavior. So it's a good thing you're sitting down. I don't know if my birth time is right, but officially, no, it's my not. rising is Scorpio. Nah. It doesn't make sense. And my moon is Libra. And it's funny because Libra is one of my favorite signs. And to be honest, I'm a little embarrassed that I'm a Scorpio. I no. feel like it's one of the oh, most polarizing signs. The, the most courageous emotionally. But you're not a Scorpio rising, I can promise you that. So your birth time is off a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You come off, you come off it's much more Sagittarius <laughs> rising. How long are your thighs? Do you have like long thighs or short thighs? I mean, I'm short overall okay. and pretty proportionate. Okay, we'll have to work on this. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, mommy. I, I would love, yeah, I would you love just, to change You don't this. have a bit of you that seems Scorpio rising. Now, I have to ask you a question. When you were young, were you very suspicious of people and very hard to make friends and very kind of cautious? No, you don't have a Scorpio rising. Get over yourself. That's not it. <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, like, if the live, like, somehow ended now, now I'd already be healed. You know what? I actually, one of my... I consider it a flaw, but yeah. one of them is that I, I trust too easily and I, yeah. I'm open to everybody. And as much as I'm an extremely private person, you got like Sag rising or Leo rising or some other rising, your birth time's off, but that can happen a lot. And that's why you need a really good astrologer to ask you about your life experiences. The rising sign is how people experience you when you walk in a room and I just met you and you're all bright and sunny and that is not a Scorpio rising. So we'll move on from that. Okay. I mean, I'll definitely, I'll definitely take it. Yeah. Let's, can we spend like a bit of time sure. explaining to people sun, moon, and rising? Should yes. they want to experience their own? All of this up for free at astro.com by putting in Google search free natal chart. I also strongly recommend my really close friend, Chani Nicholas's app. She's a wonderful, wonderful astrologer. Anyway, sun is your basic identity, kind of I am. I am a Scorpio. I'm deep and transformative and very emotionally intense. That's the I am. The moon is what 
I need, what I need, no matter what, Libra rising, to get along with people, to have people like me, to have harmony in my life, to have beauty in my life. Rising, social persona, how people first meet me when they first encounter me in a social or other situation. So sun, moon, and rising can tell you a lot about your cosmic DNA, like what you're trying to learn and what you're trying to upscale. So let me give you an example. Sun in Scorpio in the evolving is somebody that creates emotional opportunities for people to really go deep and transform. But in its primitive state, the reptilian brain state, Scorpio is revengeful, grudge holding, and can be vicious. You don't have that. But let's just say it's in there somewhere if you were in a devolved state. The moon in Libra, the very kind of primitive is people pleasing at all expense. I'll just do anything so you'll like me. And that's not a very evolving place for a Libra moon. The highest side of Libra moon is I am a master at conflict and making things real and being able to speak truth to power and creating the scales of justice, social activism. And then Let's call you a Sagittarius rising. Sagittarius rising, the low primitive would be you just blurt out anything and say anything and trust people too easily and go on your merry way, but you're not that grounded. But if you were really evolving in the Sagittarius rising, you would be teaching people about spiritual truths and authenticity and positive belief system. That's so interesting. It's funny because as well as we know ourselves, People tell me all the time I'm hard on myself, but I think that that's human condition, that we can often see what's a strength as like a shadow side. So I want to talk a little bit about shadow sides, why they're important, how to kind of lift ourselves out of them. I think it's very helpful for every single person to know that we all have a default network inside of our brain that goes toward the negative. That is part of the software of being human. So everyone is struggling with a certain part of themselves that's not on their side, everyone. That's kind of helpful because some people think I'm the only one with this nagging negative voice in my head and that makes them feel even worse. And the truth is you can't make that voice go away. It's part of the computer program of being human. But you can turn the volume up on your strengths and things you want to emphasize. So the shadow side is anything that you are not owning and is unexpressed. It can be positive or unskillful. So for example, my shadow side for a long time was dependency, clinginess, and neediness. I really abhorred that in other people because I refused to acknowledge that in myself. So I would project onto other people that they were needy and whiny and clingy, and I was really more autonomous and independent, but it caused a lot of problems with attachment because we all have those sides. So I went to therapy and did a lot of work on admitting my dependency needs, and then things came more into balance. And whatever it is you disown, 
becomes something you see in other people in not such a good way or in an exaggerated idealization. So a follow-up question to that would be, one thing that I find like abhorrent or non-negotiable for me is people who spend a lot of time gossiping and it's just like a, it's like a non-negotiable to me. And I don't t- tolerate people who are, and this is an irritability, I should call it, <laughs> people who are indecisive. I just like shut <sighs> down. Let's, let's work sh- on it. What? Let's work on this. Okay. Like you didn't get to tell people, hurry up and make the frickin' decision. When you were a child, you had to go along and get along and be like waiting and patient. And it was not at all good for you. So now as an adult, you're taking control. You're not letting people make decisions. You will be decisive. You will not waste time, but it's a compensation. So to come to a middle ground with this, here's your big growth step. Are you ready? Reframe indecision as the need to collaborate. You're judging people that loved to collaborate on decision making that's not the worst thing i know it's so crazy because like this little gremlin comes out and i'm (laughs) i'm so in love with efficiency and in love with it and that is a is a for sure compensation for how scatterbrained i am i've had to become somebody who's super regimented with my, my time and I watch the time slip away as the same issue is, is rehashed and rehashed and rehashed. So it's 100% true. Well, I want to say and, as a recovering yeah. efficiency zealot, one of my teachers who's passed, a great philosopher, James Hillman, made the point that soul is antithetical to efficiency. Soul building is antithetical to efficiency. Efficiency Mm -hmm. is one of the manias of this particular cultural period. And efficiency gets weighted over connection. And I got to tell you, I'm guilty of that. Like, I'll beat you at an efficiency any day, any day. But it's not so fun for the people I love or the people I work with because sometimes they feel hijacked, steamrolled, bulldozed. I can name a lot of words that I get feedback about. So I'm learning to ask, what is the rush? And then, you know, we just got to look at this. So you asked about shadow. We're both dealing with our shadows, the preoccupation with efficiency. No, I, I love it. I'm, I'm receptive to all the negative and positive. Um, as long as it's constructive, like hit me. Just hit me. You know what it is? You're so right in that when I've chosen to prioritize my career, and it's funny because something that I really firmly believe in is once you establish what your priorities are, you remove any shock at what's falling off and what's succeeding because you know. If my children are my first priority and my friends are my last, I shouldn't be surprised that I'm feeling a little bit of a distance between the people that I really love, but they're number five on my list. And so once you just almost like establish them in your head, you remove any expectation on yourself. And it's true because I do prioritize my career and sitting alone in my office, making moves over I do going for lunch dates. And the downside of that is that I do miss those connections and that when I do force myself out of the house to have those connections, Sometimes I'd rather be alone and at my desk. 
Well, it, you know, there's it's an true. axiom I... that I think is foolproof, which is where you pay attention grows, period. So yeah. for this period yeah. of your life, because you're younger than me, you're climbing and you're thrilled about all of your efficiency and work. And there may come another time where, wait a second, what happened to my people? <laughs> yeah. So what I told my best friend since second grade, we had, we were going weeks without speaking to each other. I said, people like to roll their eyes at planned dates because they say it should feel organic. I said, I've never heard of anything so silly in my life. And it's so silly. And so we do need those reminders to slow down. But I'm curious what the compensation oh, is yeah, for yeah, having yeah. a zero okay, gossip. Well, I'm big into gossip. So gossip is a very actually big deal in Jewish culture. It's a really important way that we all find each other is through gossip. However, positive gossip. So what you really are against is putting people down. So don't even call it gossip. Yeah, what you're really against is people not treating people well. And that's a good stand. I gossip all the time. Like I'll get off the live from you and I'll tell everybody, oh, I met this woman today and she's so beautiful and she wore her pearls. Are you wearing pearls? I don't know what you're wearing, but I'll say all the nice things about you. And that is a beautiful feeling to share something I have experienced about another human being in a glowing way. Or, oh my God, you should, okay, I'm going to name three of my friends that have books coming out. They're all phenomenal. I can't wait to tell you about them. Elise Lonan, On Our Best Behavior. Emily Morse, Smart Sex. Tara Schuster, Glow in the Effing Dark. These are brilliant women. They all have books coming out. You all should read them, pre-order. That kind of gossip is like the best. So just ask people to do positive yeah. gossip like i have friends that get down in the dirt about people and i'll go let's talk about things we like about people and leave people higher nobody ever goes no we've got to stay in the gutter i think one thing that people who have I, I should i think gossip is too broad you're right but people who speak negatively about others or really my biggest pet peeve is when there's a fixation about the details of other people's lives I can't have this energy around me. I don't want it. I don't want to be around it. And so I have to kind of be like, relax your shoulders. There's a lot of other good with this person you're talking to and you love them and find a way to casually and organically and kindly segue the conversation because nobody wants to be around somebody who's self-important with their I ideals. just think that you can, in a very loving way, be vulnerable instead of dictatorial and just say, I'm feeling uncomfortable talking about other people let's talk about ourselves we're here yeah i love that let's talk a little bit about the different domains because what i love what you've done and the graphics are so beautiful and the way they tie in with the book it's all so cohesive and eye-catching you spoke a little bit about the elements and the signs and the different domains and how they manifest themselves within so i'd love to kind of explain what the domains are and you can give a few examples of how the zodiac signs wow, present in each. order the first domain is self-presentation how you present when you walk in the room. The second domain is your values and what you have as resources, inner and outer. The third domain is communications. The fourth domain is your actual home and the feelings in the home. The fifth domain is how you fall in love and how you create. 
The sixth domain is health habits. The seventh is partnership. The eighth is sexuality and sex. The ninth is belief systems and travel. The 10th is career and legacy. The 11th is the sacred crew, kinship. And 12th is spirituality and psychic phenomena. Those are the 12 domains. And in the book, A Map to Your Soul, you can take your time and do inventories on every single one of those areas in your life and learn a ton about yourself and other people, which is the whole point of the book. If I could Airbnb someone's brain, I would love to take up lodging in yours. Do you sleep well? Okay, I've never slept well. Like it's a miracle if I get a solid night's sleep because my brain is on fire. I have what's called idea euphoria, not mania, but like I get so excited about so many things that I'll wake up at three in the morning and go, are you kidding me? Like, what am I going to do now? That's so fun. Do you, do you find that you're tired throughout the day or you're just not wired? And as I get older, like today, I took a nap. Some days it doesn't matter. And some days it does. I have a Taurus moon, so I'm really slovenly too, and a little bit lazy. So I work really efficiently. And then I'm like, let me just chill and pet the cats and lay down. I like the reminder to relax. I'm just curious what that looks like for you. Like for me, it's laying on my bed, reading a book, petting the cat. Sometimes I'll have a nap. It might be like fussing around in the garden. It might be listening to music. What is it for you? I'm finding the past three weeks, I'm having idea euphoria, where every time I try to take a minute to read this book that we're reading for the book club, and I have to put it down and write a note in my phone because I've had some concept or there's some kind of reach out that I want and I'm very hard on myself for this because my goal and I actually just read the book Indistractable by Nir Eyal is to really be focused and be efficient I admire my husband so much who accomplishes so much with zero distraction and I think a lot of that is because he's wired that way I have a lot more of that like creative fire than he does. And the downside of that is that scatterbrainedness. So I accept that, but I, I want to like embody that strength of his, right? So I'm, I'm trying so as much as I should be celebrating them that I'm in a season of like idea euphoria, I'm also kind of frustrated. You have a lot of focus that moves from thing to thing. So that's different than yeah. not having focus. You accomplish a lot. You have a lot of different interests. Yeah. And you attend to things like a bee. You go to that flower, that flower, that flower. That's a great way of being. That seems very natural to you. If you had to pick, I I think I know what your answer might be, but there are 12 different domains. And if somebody really, I mean, I'm sure it's structured. You've structured this for the book in a way that makes the most sense. But if somebody was feeling a little bit intimidated, there's so much new knowledge out there. And I know a lot of my community is really still new to this whole concept. Where would you recommend that they start? Because is there any one domain that embodies a whole persona or is it really just an equal slice of the pie? It is an equal slice of the pie. However, you don't need to even care about astrology to do this book. So I want to tell your community if that particular word is a negative association for you for whatever reason, this book is really about living a life that is both fully expressed and laudatory. 
It's about bringing out the best parts of yourself. So I would say, look at the table of contents, if you're a reader or a listener, and just go to the chapter that piques your curiosity. The one that's the most important to me right now, and I think for the world, is the 11th house, the sacred crew. Because I feel convinced that we can repair the world if every single person is part of a lifeboat that has a purpose and holds each other accountable to live that purpose. This is, to me, the most salient, important point of our lifetime right now. So beautiful. I want to ask you a little bit about the design and creativity elements and how they manifest themselves. And the reason I want to ask that is because my original career is in interior design. And (laughs) yeah, okay. So it's really funny because I mean, I'm going to go off on on like a minor tangent, but um, last month my home was featured wow, in Architectural I Digest. Get that and addition, I can't wait to see it. Well, thank you. And it's funny because being an AD was always a, a dream of mine as a designer. And I no longer practice as a designer, so I worked with the wonderful Ashley Montgomery as my designer, and I never expected that it would be my own home. And it's funny because I'm actually a very, very private person. And so I believe that the highest way to connect with people is by sharing ideas. So my community on social media actually knows me very well because I'm always sharing ideas, but I don't actually talk about a lot what's personal. I actually don't think it's as necessary in order to build a lot of real connections, especially on the wild west of social media. So this article is about to come out and like a couple weeks before I call Ashley my designer and I say Ash like I can't do it I really don't want to do it and she's like Rifki like hmm it's a little too late so the article comes out and my phone is blowing up everybody's seen it and I'm like I'm not posting it on my Instagram I had almost like a a minor I had a reaction And this is like, you know, we're going all in, so let's do it. And I was with my best friend. We had gone boxing and we're sitting in the car and I just was crying. I said, I feel so misunderstood. I think that people think, oh, sorry, uh, not people think. It appears as though I would sell my privacy for the sake of recognition and instead I feel like I've sold my privacy the fact that the entire world knows what my bedroom looks like and what my bath looks like it feels like this is what was left like this is what I didn't want to share this is like my sacred space and so I felt like that was something that to the like the public eye it was like you know balloons and cakes and popping bottles and what an amazing experience and I had to really work through this I I was like in a dark place for a few days until I finally said okay it's out there let's lean in let's talk about it let's share creative ideas now that's the tangent the reason I'm bringing this up at all is because what followed with this article coming out was a lot of questions about the design inspiration and the inception and what was consistent for me is that my home looks exactly like the way I dress. If you look, it's all the same. Yeah. My recipes are colorful and layered. My personality is colorful and layered. My home, same. And my fashion, it's all the same. So I think that 
if you're a creative person, there's like this common thread that it can really be plug and played and transferred into dialogue, relationships, home, food, however you choose to represent yourself and manifest that seed of creativity. Monologue is nearing an end. I think my takeaway from your whole story is that you have an exceptionally full palette and you're living it really big and you're growing into being more transparent and letting people see the real you and knowing that you're safe. I think we learn as we, you know, become more and more trusting of ourselves that it's okay to be all that we are and people will envy us and people will judge us and people will have whatever they have about your house being an architectural digest just so you know how I feel about it is way to go. That's incredible uh, honor for your architect and you. Way to go. Love it. Thank you. In our homes, we all really lean into certain elements. So for example, if you have a fiery house, it's got lots of red and orange and yellow colors and lots of passionate pictures of yourself and your family and dramatic art it's very in your face kind of house and that brings a lot of energy i have a friend with an all red bedroom if you have an earth house it's much more cave-like and stone and earthen and you know very much smaller in the size of the ceilings and there's the warm earth colors in the house If you have an air house, it's very light and bright and airy and very kind of white and zen and modern. And if you have a water house, it's the blues and the greens and the, you know, the soft colors, but with a lot of water feature focus, like waterfalls or pools, you name it. Now we have a combination, like I live in a air and I would say water an earth house primarily, not very much fire. My partner would not like that. So I could have gone with a bright orange rug, but not my partner. So I defer to that. But anyway, it becomes really important to realize that you live in a place that's influencing you elementally all the time, all the time. So what is your primary element? My goal when doing the house was uh, a lot influenced by the climate, which is obviously freezing. So I wanted it to feel the way I described it was like the personification of a hug. I wanted it texturally to feel like, you know, a lot of velvets and wool, nubby fabric, soft. Because it's funny, as you were describing it, I'm like, I, the colors are maybe water, but there's, yeah, when I was describing like the rooms to like uh, my mother and my sisters before everything was installed, I saw them kind of like side eyeing each other being like, but then when it all came together, it's actually very soothing and, and, and soft. Yeah. I but there's a lot that. going on. And that's like you, soft with a lot going on. People need to support leader women that are taking these risks. So I am fully on your side. And you have a great sense of humor, which I think is one of the fundamentals to being a happy person. I agree with that. I think in my all my relationships, one of like one of the needs that I have is to be able to segue almost like in minute by minute between deep and and thought provoking and growth oriented to like off color banter, 
you know, spitfire sense of humor and to be able to have both for me is like the perfect synthesis of, of friendship and relationship. So my question back to the design that you described is how do trends play into this? Cause what I'm seeing as a designer is a lot of people are cut and pasting certain looks that in my opinion, don't feel representative of their personalities and their home, but they're blindly following trends. How does that manifest themselves in their living well, space? Like anything we're doing to conform to other people's expectations is not our best move. You know, you know this and your community knows this. The more time you spend in reverence of the sacred and knowing yourself, you choose from that place and then everything reverberates with more meaning. Just to follow the crowd is very deleting of our, our own energy. So, for example, right now, everybody wants those fluffy chairs. Have you noticed that? I guess that's what they're called. The boucle. Now that actually fits me like a glove. Like I could have my whole house, just one big fluffy bed and chair. But I know for a fact, because I'm not a very trendy person, that's going to be out of here in about a year and everybody will have bought it all up. <laughs> it's like, that's not going to last. But I can see through that because I'm not really at all trendy. But people that are trendy have to spend a lot of money. You have to change all the time. Yeah. I think the one like design piece of advice I give to people who worry about that is that even if you go timeless, yeah, you'll still want true. to change. Yeah, so it's kind of like a release once you realize that when we did our first house, a lot of the advice I was given was, you know, obviously the kitchen is the biggest investment, so play it really safe. And so we did a very neutral kitchen and I was tired of it within months. You know why? Not because it wasn't timeless. It was, but because it was not representative of me at all so i was able to fully commit to choices that felt really representative to me and they might feel completely outlandish to someone else but really as long as you feel like you're making the decision that feels the most aligned you can kind of relax question do you ever ask your audience if they have questions for us yeah i do well we'll wait a minute but, but you can um, in the meantime let's think if there's Let's take a moment of quiet. I always like to do that in my sessions and just touch in with that deeply quiet place within and see if there's anything that we want to make sure we address before we close this talk tonight. Okay, it comes through to say this. The reason I wrote that book is awareness leads to choice, knowledge leads to power, and loving ourselves leads to contributing. So I really want that to be the message tonight. You know, it doesn't take much to do some work to find out all the facets of who you can be. And when you fall in love with yourself, and I don't mean in an arrogant way, but in a truly compassionate way, and you accept yourself, you're much freer to think and care for other people. You know, when we spend a lot of time in here about ourselves and self-consciousness, we're not really that available for other people. So the sooner we accept ourselves and keep learning about ourselves, then we have much more capacity to tend to other people and bring them out. Any book or experience that gets you to open up to yourself and other people is very valuable. 
I want to discuss a little bit about what's preordained based on when we're born and all of this and how much we can tap into evolving ourselves and changing ourselves. Well, I'll give you an example that's quite relevant. Charlie Chaplin and Adolf Hitler were born like within a day of each other. One became the worst tyrannical evil force and one was an extraordinary comedian that played the great dictator in film. We all have a map, but that map doesn't tell us how we're gonna get there, what we're gonna utilize of our talents and gifts, who's going with us, who's gonna be an obstacle. So we have to be fully committed to raising our own vibration with assistance wherever we can. The chart is not the destination, it's a map. If you all go to jenniferfreed.com, then if you get my book through that site, I have a lot of other free gifts you might like. So it's just a way for you to get more value. And also follow me at Dr. Jennifer Freed Substack. I just joined. I've made a few grammatical errors because I'm not perfect. But I really enjoy writing and talking to people and it's free. Okay, anything else? from you most delightfully efficient Scorpio you're like the darling of the universe you know what if you want to keep complimenting (laughs) me I'll allow it no I really wanted to say thank you so much for coming on you like this was just such an insightful conversation and truly the hour flew and I also have this feeling while I'm talking that you see right through me and it's causing me to really want to level up right I do see right through you and that's a weird way to say it let's say it this way I see you and I celebrate you. I see you and I celebrate you. And where you could receive is to believe me when I tell you, serenity is not not your goal. For you, your goal would be to appreciate every moment exactly how it is, bringing your very most dynamic, beautiful, enchanting self. And then you can keep making all your decisions and don't let anyone get in the way and teach your kids how to do it too. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you really enjoyed this episode and feel like it brought you value, I would love if you could rate and review Kale in My Teeth. It takes three seconds and lets me know the kind of episodes you like and want to see more of. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And of course, you can find the guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on Instagram and TikTok at Rifki Rabinowitz and my website, RifkiRabinowitz.com. Chat soon.